Golf Podcast, presented by Golficity, where we bring you the tips, instruction, and support you need to get the most out of your golf game. And now your hosts, Frank and Mike. Hey guys, welcome back to the Golf Podcast. We are coming up, Mike, on episode 400. Every time I look at this number, I think, wow. Keeps creeping up. 392. Man. This is episode 392. We did We're, that many, huh? That many. We're going to have to think of something special to do for 400. If you guys got any ideas for 400, drop them in the comments if you're watching this on YouTube or Facebook, or hit us up in the Golf Fissy Facebook group and let us know. Where did we, was it 300 we went to YouTube space? 350, 300? I think it was 300. It was right before COVID, so 300. It was right around number 300, yeah. And that was special. Yeah. We had some fun there. We did. Yeah. That was pretty wild. And then since we've built our built own art space, right, space exactly. for that. But we've got an exciting episode. We're going to talk about three stats that every golfer should not only track, but just also focus on improving. And I think the reason we wanted to kind of hammer home three stats is because like anything with golf, it can get very complex very quickly. And then what ends up happening is you're just kind of firing at too many targets. Right. You're moving in too many different directions. And especially nowadays when we've got all these different ways to track our stats with, you know, like we use the shot scope watch or whatever it may be that you use. Now you've got hundreds of stats on your game and then it can come become a little bit in some ways unfocused. So we need to kind of really focus in. So what we're going to do is we're going to try to, again, we're, we're about simplifying things. We talk about this many times on the podcast. So we're not instructors. We're not professionals. We're guys who are learning and, and working through struggling learning this game. It's a difficult game. So we find that Really, the only thing you can do is try to simplify it when and where you can. So there's a few key things about your game that you can really hone in on. And if you do, and you focus on just improving those areas, you'll find you'll be surprised at how many other parts of your game get improved as well. Mm -hmm. So we've kind of distilled it down to three. We'll talk about different ways that you can track those, how to do it, uh, and then what to do with that information once you've got it. Yeah, exactly. And we always talk about this over the years, speaking of going way back, I think from the start, we, we would always beat over the head setting small goals yeah to hit those big goals of breaking 80 we don't just say let's go out there and break 80 we say well, let's go out there and have a greens and regulation of x and this right. that and that will lead to it but we don't think about that we just think about the prize at yeah. the end so great stuff here. and because golf in general can be a game that's so mentally taxing you have to try not to think about too many things i thought about this the other day uh we're actually watching the tour championship where you had bryson DeChambeau tell Patrick Cantlay to, to stop walking. Oh, the BMW, yep. Yeah. Okay, yeah, sorry, the BMW. Yep. And I'm thinking, like, what other sport requires so much concentration that mm. you have to be quiet? Everyone around you has to be still yeah. during your, your swing. And it just shows you that there's just so much concentration required. So, of course, what we're going to want to do is simplify things. Because if you've got a billion things in your mind, it's a recipe for disaster. It's a recipe to be unfocused because there's too much going on. So this is where you can, as you said, those small goals. And that's what we'll talk about is how some of these stats can be those small goals that you can focus on just single-mindedly, just telling you, you know, having your mind tell your body to do one thing right, instead yeah. of a billion. Exactly. You know? Exactly. So we got that to talk about. We're going to do our Twitter tapping in a second. Um, before, a couple quick announcements, you know. 
coffee and golf coming back right yeah well, let's bring it back for the Ryder cup just do a special live a lot of you guys have asked for it uh recently and why not we're going to be in office and the reason we kind of put coffee and golf on on pause it's our busy season so we're out on yeah. the course we're filming a lot on fridays uh taking advantage of the warm weather while we can but i have a feeling like once you know kapalua hits in in january through probably march we're going to be bringing that back consistently on a weekly basis we love doing that live show it's a it's a, it's a way to kind of communicate with all you guys and, and bring you into the show so stay tuned for the live Ryder cup i think september 24th that Friday. It's going to be the first day of the Ryder Cup. So yeah, it should be fun. Speaking of which, if you're not following us on the social platforms at Golficity, give a follow because we've been tra- doing these impromptu lives. In fact, you ducked into the office this past weekend yeah. and you did a two hour live. Two hour live. I mean, some of uh, one of the great things about, you know, the wife taking the kids over to, to the mother in laws for the day for, for Girls Day. Yeah. That I had dad to myself day. So I came into HQ. I played nine holes on East Lake and did a TikTok live with you guys. It was so much fun. Yeah, and so that's, we'll try to do those impromptu lives more often, so make sure you're following if you're not already doing so. Uh, and also, speaking of which, you have five days left. As of when this episode drops, you've got five days left to enter our Titleist T-Series Iron giveaway. So make sure you head over to our YouTube channel, check out our fitting video. You get to see what we got fit for and why. We're going to break that down more. The clubs haven't arrived just yet. When they do, we'll do an unboxing. We're going to do, of course, our, our usual annual what's in the bag video where we're going to take you guys through in a little bit more detail, not only what made us choose the clubs that we have, but also how they're performing for us since. Um, but you guys have a chance to win your own full fit set of Titleist T-Series irons. We always say when we get something, you guys get something. So we've got fit. So cool. We're going to get one mm-hmm. of you fit. And you've got a couple more days. So head over to the YouTube channel. Check out that T-Series iron fitting video for all the details on how you can enter. There's multiple ways, speaking of which, following us on social, you'll see there's multiple ways you can enter. The more ways you enter, the better the chance you have at winning. And then it's going to be a random selection in just a few weeks. I can't wait. And, and, and this is the one thing a lot of you asked in that TikTok live. You kept saying, like, what about the lefties? Or what about this? Like, guys, whatever you are, yeah, you're going to go to your local shop or fitter or pro, and you're going to get fit. And like I said, even if it's going to cost you 150 bucks, 100 bucks to get that that iron fitting at the PGA Superstore or whatever, it's going to be worth it. Because if you won a $1,700 set of irons, right. I think making that investment to get them fit to you is the right thing it's what it comes down to whatever your specs are lefty righty whatever shafts whatever uh, head combination you choose whatever it is is what you're gonna get our winner right so you're gonna go out there get fit and i don't care lefty whatever you're all in you all have a chance to win so good luck everybody with that and speaking of which before we dive into this week's twitter tap in i want to thank this week's sponsor titleist the evolution of the t-series advances titleist even further in their mission to produce the best irons in the world and like i said we had a chance to hit them in our fitting video it's just incredible the way this second generation of the titleist t-series irons performs i love the turf interaction i love as as andy said that effective hitting area Mm -hmm. there's just so much to these clubs to really help you play the type of golf that you want to play and each model is an instrument in enacting uh performance passed from the titleist uh, r&d and tour pros to players just like us that's right we get to benefit from all of that learning that goes from working with the tour pros and all that r&d and it's it's incredible how that goes into the club so like i said our fitting experience with the new titleist irons is incredible go watch that video like i mentioned earlier you've got to see it to believe it and i'm going to encourage you guys even if you're not the winner of our giveaway go out get fit try these irons 
firsthand for yourself. There is, as I've, I've said this many, many times now, there is something in that series for everyone. Yeah. You know, from the T100 yep. to the T400, that series was really built to work with things like blended sets, as we talked about, and just making sure it's covered for every shot in the bag, for every golfer. It's all there. So it's a Titleist T-Series, precision made, precision played. Check them out at Titleist.com for more information. You know, before we move on to the Twitter tap in Frank, I had a friend, Ken, he from like five, I haven't seen or spoken to him in like four or five years. Mm-hmm. He texted me out of the blue, I think like three days ago, and goes, I watched your fitting with Andy he goes he's, he's like a four or five handicap he goes I've been playing with the same title as clubs for the last 20 years hmm. he's a ridiculous golfer and he goes I saw it and I instantly booked a t- uh, the new t-series next generation fitting with Kevin Sprecker oh that's awesome he's like yeah. I'm nervous what do I expect I'm like dude you're an excellent golfer you expect to be in great hands yes I said right. you're gonna be in great hands he's gonna and, and he's so excited and I can't wait for him to report back to me because a he's gonna get to hit these irons and he's gonna get to work with Kevin yeah. so it's like a first experience for him like it's like a kid in a candy shop some so. of the some of the uh, the comments from that video really jumped out at me one guy said i have been playing golf for 20 years and just realized i've been fitting wrong for irons this whole time whether he's talking about fitting himself or whoever he was working with he was and and we showed in that one about distance is one thing but we talked about fitting for that uh, angle of approach that you're coming into greens Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. being able to hold greens and that's what irons are really designed for those front pin locations and, and making them scoring clubs uh so i mean you see with Andy, the, the passion and the knowledge, product knowledge that comes through. And it's just like, as a golfer, it's golf's all about confidence, right? And then you're just like, you feel so confident that you're in good hands. Yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? Because you're like, this guy knows what he, it's like the difference between going, you know the difference when you go to a doctor who knows what he's talking about yeah. and one who doesn't. Yeah. When they instill that confidence. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, and then that's what we want. It's like Armani himself fitting you for the Armani suit. Like, that's Andy. And by the way, Andy texted me after the video came out. Not only did he love it, but he goes, hey, I guess based on the comments, I can never shave the beard. I go, your beard has its own personality. Right. So His you beard's keep famous it. It's famous. It's, it's famous. famous. That's <laughs> too funny. All right. So let's dive into this week's Twitter tapping. And this is the segment each week where we get to get your feedback and you guys get to jump in and tell us, answer some of these fun questions that we throw out there about golf. And it's cool because we kind of all learn from each other. So if you're not already following us on Twitter, make sure you do so at Golficity. And this week for the Twitter tap and we asked, what do you use for your yardages on the golf course? Is it a GPS watch, a range finder, a yardage book, etc.? Of course, there's also just the options of just using the markings that are on the golf course. Right. Uh, you know, which it's funny you think about oh, we did that for so long growing so long. up playing mm-hmm. before you know, laser range finders mm-hmm. and GPS watches were widely available. Remember how cool it was when you got a range finder back then? I mean, a, a, a wristwatch. It was like a big thing when they first came out. Yeah, like, wow, when really they first came out. $500. And like so I'm thinking like, you know, when I was uh, playing high school golf, we didn't have anything Nothing. like anything like that, you know, and we didn't really have yardage books. I mean, I wasn't playing at that kind of level. Um, but what we did was we would just look at like the 150 marker and pace it off right from there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, or rely on a caddy if you happen to be lucky enough to be playing with one, but let's run through some of these answers. Um, Shooting 90 says, I use the Grint Golf on my iPhone. Uh, I know, I think that's a free app. I'm not familiar enough with it to uh, to really talk about it here. You guys have to go check it out. But I, I, I have seen some people who've used it, and it, it does look like a really cool interface. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that one's a cool one. Yep. And uh, Ed, Ed D'Atuza weighing in, he says, yeah, I've got the shot scope, most of my yardage, range finder for par three and layup spots, and yardage books when I'm playing new courses. I, so I it's think a most mix. people are going both nowadays. 
I think so too. You know, they like having both for layups, things like that. And it's fun. Especially with how affordable they've become. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like nowadays, you can buy a GPS watch and a rangefinder for the price that used to be just a rangefinder. Exactly. Um, But I I like the option. We both carry both now. Um, I'd say 90% of my shots are looking down at my wrist at the shot scope. Yes. Uh, It's just those super specific, like par threes and stuff that I'm firing the pins on. Mm -hmm. Uh, What other ones do you see here, Mike? Uh, I squint really hard and make a good guess. I don't have a range (laughs) fan or want to hook it up, says Alex True. That's great. He's honest. He's honest. He he has plenty of chances to win him because that's like the most we give away here on the channel's range finders. I think he knows we're giving quite a few. That's coming up soon. Right. Um, Uh, Swing You, Douglas Bardo, the Swing You app on the phone. Yep. I heard a lot of people who like Swing You. Yep. Yep. Uh, Michael Tatum says uh, the 150 yard bush. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this guy knows his go. course well. And that's what I mean, yep. you know? And, and Harry W says the same thing those good old fashioned yardage markers. Um, and, and for a lot of us, I mean, also the, for a lot of us who are playing casually, that's really all we need. Right. You know what I mean? Is, is get those yardage markers. But, uh, I tell you what, it's one of those things It's kind of like, once you have it, you can't go back, you know, you can't. I I've had like one round ever. I think when I either my shot scope, I forgot it or something like that. And I kept glancing down at a bare wrist, just, I know, you know, force of muscle habit. memory. Yeah. Here's yeah. an interesting stat though, not to like really move off course here, but it says, I, I want to read this because, uh, Jason's, uh, Jason from Bushnell said the, uh, the primary intention was for hunting, but we thought, Hey, rangefinders can really work for golf. So in 95, they first rolled out the golf rangefinder. 1995. 1995. All right. So it probably was there during the high school phase, but they were probably so expensive and they were so new. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something you were thinking about. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I date myself a little bit, but I played high school golf from about 1995 to 1999. Right, so it was just coming out. Yeah. Yeah. And no, so like I said, nobody had it. It was probably nobody like $600. Yeah. Uh, JC Golf says 18 birdies app all day. Nothing better. I'll tell you what. I, I really like the 18 birdies app as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the interface. It's really quick to use. And I like that you can kind of drag around with your finger and get different yardages different to yardages, different, different things. Yeah. Uh, there's also there's a free version and there's a premium version. I think the premium version will act kind of like a, a caddy, like real kind of it'll give you... Um, I think suggested clubs and stuff. I haven't used it in that level of detail because to be honest, I rely mostly on my shot scope yeah. uh, watch, but uh, we used it recently for the golf is virtual open, which just wrapped up by the way. Thank you everybody who played in the golf is virtual open so much fun every year. We're definitely going to do that again next year, but um, I got to use, you know, 18 birdies a little bit more. And I think it's terrific. Even like I said, even if you just pick up the free version, it, it's a good one to use. Yeah. Plus I, li- I like those digital scorecards. Now I find when I have the old pen and paper, especially if I'm walking or something, I forget it. I lose it. You lose the pencil on hole seven. And then after that, you're trying to scratch it in with a T or something. Right. I like just the, uh, the digital. I got my phone out anyway. I might as well. Right. And even though there. we use the shot scope V3 on our wrist, it's always great to, to just keep score because you could just go back and when you upload it, yes. I like to just confirm, you know? Yeah. Usually you might it's, be off it's, by a stroke or two. Right. But. One or two strokes and you just got to pop it in there. Uh, did you read Curtis here? It's pretty funny. Curtis Cole. No, no. He yet. goes, the V3, there's the shot scope V3, the shot scope L1 rangefinder, and the Grint app, leaving absolutely nothing to chance. But my handicap says that it clearly doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> you got to love a little comic gotta, relief. That's yep. that's too funny. All right. Well, that's let's end on a high note. Let's do a quick word from our sponsor. And then I want to jump into these, speaking of which, these three stats that every golfer should be tracking. Yes. 
I want to thank FootJoy. Guys, FootJoy sets the standard for golf performance and style in 2021 with the all-new Premier Series, inspired by golf shoes of the past, but supercharged for today's game. Designed in collaboration with the world's best players, guys like Max Homa, Justin Thomas, Adam Scott. I mean, the Premier Series features classic styling, so it has that classic look with the premium waterproof leather. I've stepped in countless muddy puddles with these things. Uh, And these shoes just create this craftsmanship. I mean, you look at them and you're like, wow, dude, those are sleek. Super comfortable. We've walked many, many holes in these shoes without an issue. Um, And they have this state-of-the-art comfort to help you with that. They have this Versatrax Plus outsole, which may sound like jargon, but let me tell you something. The technology that went into this Versatrax is incredible. But you can learn more about these shoes yourself. Go to footjoy.com and check out the Premier Series today. And do it quick because they've been such a hot item this week. Uh, I'm sorry, this week, this year, that uh, I've noticed that they've been sold out at times. They have been. Uh, so Everyone it, wants their hands It's on like, them. especially those, those the color combos mm-hmm. that are, are kind of like the real, what do you call it? The, the ones that everyone wants the real popular ones yeah. they go like this I, i've been waiting like a month for my uh and, and also there's been supply issues yeah. with everything every product on earth lately but i'm waiting a month for my all white premieres to yep. come in i just got mine really excited when those so land. sweet yeah yeah all right so with that said let's dive into this week's instructional topic talking about three important stats that every golfer should track and improve and like i said earlier in the episode it really comes down to just if even if you're someone who doesn't like to, to track too many stats, I think this is for you because it's like we're going to try to simplify it to just three. On the other side of the coin, like we said, saw in our Twitter tap and some people who like to use a lot of tech out there to track a lot of different things, it still might be smart to every once in a while just hone in on a few. You know, it, it's it's just like something with your swing. Rather than trying to make a million changes at once, a good focused practice would be just maybe working on a feel for one move that you want to put in. Similarly here, so we don't get our ourselves chasing too many targets at once, it's a good idea to just to kind of focus on a few stats. So if you're going to make a change in these, you know, in these next, you know, couple months as you're playing, maybe just kind of hone in on these few, just focus on these. You can always start to attack some other statistics afterwards, but I think it's a great starting point and just kind of see, see how it ends up uh, translating in your, your score and in your game. Uh, and, and I think it's one of those things It takes a little bit of time, but as you start to identify these, these potential issues you may have in your game by tracking these stats and then working on just those are those small goals and small targets right. you mm-hmm. mentioned earlier, Mike, that's where you're going to start to be able to get a little bit easy, like a little bit, you're going to see this gradual improvement in the scores. Um, but a couple of things like first, just talking logistics, uh, as far as tracking them goes, there's a couple different ways you can do it. The good news is, again, we're only talking about three here, so it can be t- done as simple as the old-fashioned pencil and paper. Um, I think you can just use a, a spot on your scorecard where you can just either have some sort of like shorthand, make a little note for each one of these things, physically write them in. You can keep a little pen. You yeah, know, a that got annoying pretty quick for me. I remember we used to do that back in the day. Yeah, the I used to put like, like a check mark if it was a, a green or, mm-hmm. or a check mark for a fairway, and then you just write your putts in the but, top yeah, right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. So you can do that, and, and and without a doubt, I personally like the hands offness of using like shot scope, and I know it's just tracking those statistics for me not having to do anything when I'm out there. But again, it's that balance between, you know, personal preference and, you know, the free way of doing it with pencil and paper versus investing in something like like ShotScope. But however you do it, these are the stats that we want to to be really looking at. And the first one is three putt 
percentage. Mm. Now, a, a lot of people you see, they track like total putts. Uh, and, and total putts can, can be fine. But what, what again, we're trying to simplify this. We're yeah. trying to like, and, and again, total putts can kind of be something that can vary uh, from from course to course, you're playing a par 70, you're playing, a, you know what I mean? That type of thing. Or or additionally, it can be that you can have one or two outliers that, that throw it off. Mm-hmm. You could have, a, you know, a couple of one putts and a four putt and whatever it may be. So I like the idea of of just counting the, you know, percentage of three putts by just basically counting your, your three putts. Um, so, you know, again, that, let's move away for a second from that to- total putts and just look at this one thing. So um, a reference point. To start mm-hmm. with. So we talk about the highest possible level. PGA Tour, best putters are usually keeping their three-putt percentage somewhere around 2%, which is incredible. Yeah. And you watch the PGA Tour, you see it. These guys, it's rare if it ever a three-putt. It seems like even when they're all the way across the green, they're still somehow putting it within five feet, and then they're burying that five-footer most of the time. Right, you know they're they're so great at lag putting, yeah. they're so great at getting it close, and they put it down. But two percent, you know, it might be for our, some of our better golfer listeners out there something to strive for. Uh, but otherwise, I think if you can get it somewhere five percent or lower, you're doing terrific. And for the folks that are relatively new to the game, this is, and I may be wrong here, but this is for only greens you hit in regulation. Well, it's it's putts. No, but 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 if I were to, let's say it's a par four, and I don't get on the green until my third shot, and then I three putt it for a for a seven or whatever it is. Does that count towards that step? Yeah, we're we're counting three putts. All three putts. It doesn't have to be a green regulation. Correct. Because what we're trying to do ultimately is improve our putting, and I'll talk about that more in a second. We were using these statistics as indicators that something is wrong it's like it's like again using that doctor uh reference it's it's like a a diagnosis so we're looking for symptoms so when we start to see that three putt percentage is creeping up now Mm -hmm. even five is terrific i think last time i checked and i don't consider myself a terrific putter but i was somewhere between seven and nine percent three putt percentage so again first things first with any of these is just to benchmark yourself look at what your percentage three putts are and then um go go for go from there uh and then start to use that as a benchmark and see how can i improve this but again we're really counting putts and the reason i was was wondering with your question is because one question that can often come up is if you're off the green and you putt, you know, the Texas yeah. wedge, technically speaking, that's not not a putt. I okay. wouldn't count that. I would count true putts on the putting surface because I think counting stuff like that can throw this off because putting from off the green is not even technically a lag putt. It, it's a shot. It's a, shot, a different right. way to play the shot. Mm-hmm. Um, so once you're on, you're going to type to look at that. But then what you got to do is First, get your benchmark, mm-hmm. and then start to work on improving by first taking a look where some of the issues are. And the two probably most common issues are first, poor distance control. Sure. Because, mm-hmm. and this really comes down to that pacing. So if you find on these, you know, 20, 30 foot putts that you're still leaving yourself putts that are in a lower make percentage, 10 feet, 12 feet, that's going to be a first indicator that you've got some issues to work on there, distance control. And I, I think one of the um, the best and, and simplest tr- like practice you know, training methods that we learned was actually when we were working with Brad Worthington at Pound Ridge. 
So uh, if you want, go back, check out that video on our YouTube channel or you know on our Facebook watch, and you'll see that we worked on this idea where Brad, very simply, he just put a T about... 12 inches past the hole mm-hmm. and he said that i want you to you know we were doing some lag putting and he says i want you to make sure that you get it to the cup but don't go past that tee so you're not going to make everyone from from distances 15 20 feet but you're going to start to get really used to that speed and distance control and you're going to start to leave yourself tap-ins so basically a success would be anything that was either in the hole or was somewhere between the hole and that T. Yep. A mm-hmm. failure would be anything that you left short or blew past that T. And you can go out to the practice screen, just pop a T in and do this from different ranges, different breaks, and just work on that. And, and one thing that Brad said that really hit home with me was he said, after a year of doing this, you'll find you're really putting better. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that uh-huh. really hit me because it's like so many of us, we get frustrated. We do all there, do one session. And we feel a little bit better. Maybe we putt a little bit. If we did it before our round, maybe we got there an hour early and did that and we feel like we putt better that round. But then it kind of gets away from us. And then you realize it takes a long time to be a great putter. Long time. And Developed we see it too. on the PGA Tour. Mm-hmm. These guys spend countless hours daily on the putting green on the practice putting green. And it takes that time to develop that feel. But once you start to get that distance control and that pacing down you're going to find that it just becomes so much easier to two putt greens yeah dude and i can't tell you i played a really great round last week um and partly probably because there was no cameras involved so i was able to focus but um i had at least like four or five one putts for like 15 to 20 feet Mm -hmm. and my playing partners were like dude flat sticks hot but i'm like hey I wasn't getting to that spot. I, I mean, I wasn't getting on a regulation. So those putts were either saving my par or my bogey. Right. But it shows you how important no those doubt. putts are, man. So distance control is something that I've really worked on and just trying to lag the ball close. And that's just so true. It's just it's so much just a part of the puzzle. I mean, you can get your putting to be spot on, but you, you got to be on the, the dance floor in order to, to score. Yeah. So you got to like work in different ways. But I think that... This is one of those things that, especially for some of the newer golfers out there, if you're going to put a focus, if you want to, if you want to have a better score, I know we all go to the range because we want to have a better swing. We want to, you know, feel like we're moving the ball out there. I get it, but if you really want to see those scores start to come down, putting is where it happens. Um, I was just talking to my father the other day. He said uh, he felt like he 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 hit the ball terrible. He played around that he shot an 83, and mm-hmm. he said he just he. He had two chip-ins, and he was draining all his putts. So while he felt like he was hacking it out yeah, there, yeah. one that he was still saved, and 83 is a score I'll take all I day, yeah. and he was just around the green. So that's another thing. So poor distance control can be a, a definite um, indicator of why that number, that three-pump percentage is too high, and you can work on that. And the other thing is just having some shaky short putting just Mm. not having confidence in those short putts and that can be another thing like maybe you are lagging it to three feet every time but you're missing all those three footers yeah and then there there comes your three putt and that can be something that can start to just get into your brain and you start to convince yourself you're not you're not a very good putter and i recently was reading zen putting we had dr joseph parent on the show author of zen golf zen putting if you're one of those people who's going through one of those putting struggles read that book because it's not highly technical in anything having to do with your stroke it's more so b- helping build that confidence and understanding you know how to make that cup you know we talk about when when uh, a, a golfer sinking every putt that cup looks like it's as big yeah. as a, mm-hmm. a you know a beach ball 
it's it gets to that feeling but but that size of that hole does shrink as you get closer it and closer. doesn't it feel I, that I way stink at these shaky short putts right and that's where it can show like this can be the other indicator like some people might be really great at those long lag putts and they're just they're, their three putts are coming from missing those Pressure short mounts putts as you get closer right sure. so there's a lot of things you can work on there one that i love are simulating pressure in your practice so what you can do is and and uh, a reason why a lot of us don't get good at the, the short putts is because we don't really practice them or we practice them kind of like mentally checked out. Like we put a ball down three feet, but we keep hitting the same putt and we, dra- we drain them all on the practice surface. Here's where you've got to kind of simulate what, what the reality. That's not the reality of what happens on the golf course. You right. don't get those super mm-hmm. familiar putts every single time. So vary it. I like the idea of you ever see where you can put like 10 balls in a circle around a, a, a hole in three feet mm-hmm. and you got to go around and try to make them all. Yep. So yep. now you're getting uphill putts, downhill putts, side breaking putts. You know, it varies from putt to putt. Or I like the idea of just going out there and, and setting something for yourself. Like I have to make 10 in a row. Mm-hmm. You want to simulate pressure. The first three may be the easiest thing ever. And then it's going to get increasing pressure. You're going to get used to that pressure. Uh, I've seen college golf teams where, you know, they'll, the, the coaches will say, you know, you can't end your practice session until you make 50 in a row yeah, from three you foot, mm-hmm. you know, to the point where you got to get it where you're just ice in your veins for these short putts. But it just shows it is, it's something that kind of like mentally it, 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 we check out on it because it's like a three putt. We don't think of it as, as a difficult thing. Mm-hmm. And then we have no familiarity with it. We've got no practice. Right. We have no practice. So just because it's not a hard putt doesn't mean you don't have to practice it. So getting out there and really working on not just taking those long putts in your practice session, but just practicing short putts. And I like this because it's something you can also, you can do a little bit of practicing at home. Mm -hmm. It's not the same putting on a, you know, um, there are some terrific mats out there, but just working on just getting that ball rolling online where you want it and just get more confident in those short putts. So that's really the formula. If you can get your distance control dialed in from long putts and be able to have your confidence to drill the short putts, you're going to see your, your three putt percentage go way down, go way, 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 way down. Right. So that's one stat. The other stat that you want to track is fairways hit. And this is something that can be super simple to do if you're doing the old pencil and paper, um, I used to do this this way. You would just basically somewhere lower on the scorecard, you pick one of those empty boxes, put a check mark if you hit the fairway, a right arrow if, if you're right of the fairway, and a left arrow if you're left of the fairway. Um, and if you don't want to do it that way, there are, like I said, like ShotScope now will show you your percentage hit of fairways, left misses, and right misses. In a second, we'll kind of talk a little bit about why that matters. But I think what it comes down to is – and, and I just learned this, the more we play golf and the more we play hard golf courses is just being in the short grass is, is a, a huge difference between par and bogey for me. Yeah, it really is. I mean, but then the question is, do I, do I take something off my shot to keep it in the fairway? Do I drop down the iron? This is something I always struggle with. Like, do I hit the five iron here? Or do I hit the driver? And you know me, like I like to extend the ball as far as I can because I'm confident in being f- in the rough 50 yards off the green. Right. versus 120 out in the middle of the fairway. It's a weird thing to say out loud in here. Yeah. But for me, a 40-yard chip shot in the rough versus 120 in the fairway in the out, give me that 40 in the rough all yeah, day. Yeah, I get it. That's also a chip shot, though. What about a 7-iron? Like, I don't want to have a 7-iron out of the rough where it can be against the grain, with the grain. Am I going to get a flyer? Long shots, Am I going to sure. get, you know what I'm saying? And, or how many, now i got a million things to think about. Like, mm. how how much more club do I need to add right. here? Is, right. the, is the rough wet? Versus a 
a, a tight lie is a very predictable lie. Sure. That's why we want it. But I guess the answer would be, again, these are all indicators of something. While I'm a big advocate of, and we learned this in our in our playing lesson with Tom Reynolds, he said every golfer should have that absolute, when you have to do it, like ride or die, fairway finder club. Yeah. Right? And you 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 got those couple instances where there's so much trouble on that hole, you got to be in the fairway in order to score on it, and then you can pull out that club. For me, maybe that's my hybrid, right? Mm-hmm. But if you find that in order to hit fairways at all, you got to drop down to this club. That's that's a, a problem. That's yeah. an indicator in your game. Mm-hmm. That you're saying you always have to drop down to hit a fairway. Then that shows you it's a learning thing. It's a good problem to have because you've now indicated something you need to work on. You get to the range and you work on hitting more fairways with your driver without having to put it back in the bag. Yeah. So I think there's mm-hmm. a definite benefit to having that club that you can find a fairway with, but on the same token, you know, not not relying on it so much that you you lose the opportunity of distance. Mm-hmm. But the nice thing about this is that's what's going to tell you. A, how many fairways are you hitting? Are you are you missing a large percentage of your fairways? If so, you're taking your ability to score way down. So that's the first thing is working on accuracy of your tee shots. But then second thing is looking for some sort of trend in your misses. So are you missing right of the fairway? 70% of your misses are right, mm-hmm. then you know that there's something having to do with the way that you're, you know, if for a righty golfer, a little bit of a slice or something like that, where maybe it's your aim is off. Maybe we talk about with like with uh, Kevin Sprecher, he talked about driving lanes. And he said, if you, and again, I understand that the ultimate thing would be to correct that miss. But when you show up to the golf course, you're not making any miracles in that right. moment. Right. You got to work with what you got. And if what you got is a right miss, then he says, line up on the right side of the tee box, aim for the left side of the fairway. So you're still aiming at fairway. If it moves back right, at the worst case, you'll be a little bit in the right rough, but you have a much bigger fairway chance of hitting a right side fairway. Mm-hmm. But again, what does that come down to? It comes down to knowing. Yeah, you got to know. If you don't track these things, you don't know. Right. So that's why it's, it, again, we're simplifying. We're just tracking these to say, okay, these are areas where I know and then benchmarking them. So let's say you track them and for a couple rounds, you're hitting 30% of fairways. Now you know. I'll go to the range. I'm going to work on the couple, a couple different clubs that I traditionally hit off the tee. Maybe that's driver, three wood, whatever's in the, in the mix for you. And you just simulate what you have again we go to the range and we just beat balls sometimes you got to go with focused practice we've said this before simulate a fairway um if you if you're fortunate enough to have a launch monitor like maybe wrap soda or something with you that's mm-hmm. going to tell you how far you're off the center line terrific if not go and pick two flags are out there pretend that's your fairway and just see how many shots you can you can get in there right and then simulate pressure like we did with putting say i've got to i've got to hit five fairways in a row before i can move on to something else in my practice and if it, it takes me a whole bucket of balls it's what it is what it is and you try to hit that fairway and then once you've practiced that put it out in the play on the course and and keep tracking that stat and see are you getting better and now you start to see fairways hit creeps up to 40 percent, 50 percent, and what does that do to your score right i think more amateurs have to have a planned practice session no doubt we because don't do it often. We're wasting time otherwise. That's it. It's like, yeah, it does feel good to go hit a bucket of balls, but what is it really doing for your game? We all know we can hit that shot that we love to hit on the fairway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, I threw something in my uh, story on Instagram over the weekend. I, I Ryan Hager is another coach we work with who's terrific. And uh, I said, you know, 
for anybody who's, who's you know viewing my story, if you're going to the range this weekend, do this. And he showed great how drill with a the great drill the to go through, you know, three body motions and then hit. And then you're actually, you know, working on something on the range versus a lot of us just pull the next ball and hit it, pull the next ball and hit it. And you're not, you know, you're not doing much for yourself if you're just on autopilot. Right. It's all about creating those feels and then rep and then, and then putting them into your swing, putting the reps in with the, the correct right. feel. If anything, I would say, guys, do that, pull a ball and hit it with like the last five to seven balls in your basket. Get the dedicated practice out of the way, then hit the feel-good shots before you either move on to your tee time right. or to your car to go home. So try that. Yeah, no doubt. And this last stat, you guys are going to love this because you don't may not even realize that you're already tracking it. All right. And this is your average score per hole type. So if you're writing your score down at all, you're tracking this stat. So it's a matter of after the fact, going back and let's say you look at all the part threes you played, you, you know, get your average, you know, add them all up, divide them by the total number of par threes. And there's your average score for par threes. Do the same for par fours and par fives. And then look and see, is there one type of hole that you're playing significantly worse than others. And again, this is something that you can do it that way. ShotScope does it automatically. It does uh, track your your average score to par for each type of hole. I like that because I look at it in a quick glance and I realize, you know, I'm a higher, let's say I'm a higher percentage to par uh, against par fives than my other yeah. things. And it'd be like, well, there's something wrong there that I have to dive into, especially because par fives are supposed to be really your scoring holes, mm-hmm. right? Par threes traditionally tend to be the toughest right. as a relation to hit par. That green. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. But again, it's going to be that symptom that's going to indicate something, something that you need to work on. This is something that's going to be a little bit more player dependent. You're going to have to drill in and just see what is it. There's going to be something else potentially in there. Uh, maybe it's your you know, you're, you're, you find you're struggling with on par threes. And then you realize most of the par threes I play are 150 to 170. And then you realize I'm, I'm struggling with accuracy with those mid irons. There you go. Right. And then you just then, figured something out, right? That becomes your next practice session. Mm-hmm. Go to the range again, pick a target, a flag out there. That's roughly the distance of the par threes you play and hit your the, the clubs that you would hit into that. Yeah. Uh, vary that. Move, and try change to take it, around it a step a further yeah. and try to locate a grass range where you could put a tee in the ground and really simulate that par three. Yeah. Try to get it as close as realistic as you can. I know those are tough to find, those grass ranges, but try to take it all the way. That's that's 100%. And, Big and the other thing, too, is we've done multiple episodes on course management. It might not have anything to do with your ball striking per se. It could be that on a certain types of holes, the strategy that you're using is ineffective for you. Maybe it's that you're too aggressive or you're not aggressive enough with the with the type of plays that you're making on certain types of holes. And then ultimately that would help you by just not having to change anything with your swing, but just change your approach, change your strategy. But again, we're really looking for something to stand out in the statistic. And the first way to do that is to first track them. Once you have it tracked, you you can you'll start to see something might pop out at you. So I think a great exercise to do if you haven't been tracking any stats is start with this one. Grab your last couple scorecards, calculate your average score per hole type on the last couple of rounds, and see if 
threes, fours, or fives, anything jumps out at you. Yeah. And if so, think back strategy wise, how do you tend to play those holes? Or if you're the type of person who plays, you know, the same course every weekend and you find that one or two holes like beat you up really bad and you could think, are you approaching that hole with the exact same strategy every time and thinking they're going to get a different outcome? Mm-hmm. Is there some other strategy you can use and then see how that goes. And then again, continue to track this over time and see if it gets better. Maybe you put your focus fully onto par threes. Uh, you know, I find that I'm, I'm losing a lot of strokes on par threes, you put your focus into it. You put those focus practice sessions in, like we talked about. And then as you track it to see, does it come down to an average score of 4.1 strokes on par threes to 3.8, you know, you're moving you in the go. right direction. Right. Absolutely. And, and you got to think most golf courses, you're going to see at least what three, four par threes while you're out there, mm-hmm. you know, even a stroke per hole, that's three or four strokes. Right. So Think about that. It's something that's that can huge. really make a difference in your score. Baby so, steps, guys. Baby steps. But So quickly to recap, guys, just starting with your next round, if you're not already doing it, track your three-putt percentage, track your fairways hit, and track those average scores per hole type and start that process and then look at that data and say, what can I do to make one or two of these things better? Because that's what it's about. That Being a better golfer is about making a few little things better at a time and having a slow progression over time. It's not, there's, uh, there's just no, because we would all take that pill if there was a miracle cure right, of course. that could save me 10 strokes in, instantly. Mm-hmm. It takes time and it takes, and this is what at the highest level they're doing. PGA Tour pros have people on their team largely doing this for them where they're tracking their stats, but they're working with them. They're having team meetings and saying, hey, this is where we need to improve. And then they're going out and putting a focus practice or fitness or whatever plan it takes to get that better. If this was the matrix and you were presented with the red pill and the blue pill and the red was no more three putts and the blue was all fairways hit, what would you take? I think you got to go with the putts. Right? I think you got to go with the putts for scoring. Yeah, you got to go, go with the putts. But you guys, let us know. Drop in the comments. <laughs> You'd love to know. And Which I would one? also love. I want to challenge you guys as well. If you go out and do this, and you jot it down, screen capture this, put it on your phone, DM us, send us a note. I'd love to see you guys do this and put it into play and let us know how it helped you. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Maybe we'll read a couple out on the next pod. Yeah, or if there's one of these that helped you more than the others, yeah, exactly. whatever it may be, let us know. Cool. But you can get to the show notes of everything we talked about today by going to golfisty.com slash episode 392. Hope this guy hope this helps you guys. We'll be back with more instruction again next week, and we'll see you then.